The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and we have got a great show for you today. And if you think, if you know deep in your heart that you have a passion for life and that you are destined to do some great things, but you have no earthly idea how. Uh, we're going to talk to somebody today who does have an earthly idea how and can help you uh, fulfill the dreams that you have for what you want to accomplish in your life. Her name is Julie DeLuca Collins, and she is right here talking with us now. And we're also going to talk about the Pastanisha. I cannot say that word to save my life. The Pastanisha. <laughs> Passionistas. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Welcome. And and Nancy and Amy are with that group, and we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. But first, I want to talk to Julie about being um, a coach, a a business coach who can help you understand how to get how to do your business better from the ground up because she's been through it all um, from less than successful to highly successful. So Julie, welcome to the show. How are you? Kevin, thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. I, I, it, it's an honor, honestly, because I, when I first got to know you, I thought, Ooh, this is the big time. I'm excited. So yay. Thank you. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's a big time, but it's a good time. It's a good time for sure too. So thanks again. Oh, you're more than you're more than welcome. And you're welcome, by the way, anytime, because um, one of the passions that I have is I'm passionate about doing this and creating a place for people to go where they can learn all kinds of great things from from great people who've been there and uh, and can help you out. And that's that's really is awesome. So uh, um, I want to ask you, though, how did you get started doing this? There was there was a time when you were in corporate America and you were doing all of that kind of thing. But uh, what happened? What transitioned you? Yeah. So, you know, very simply put, I I like my job. I enjoyed what I did. I was good at what I did. I was chief innovation officer for an educational company out of New York. I was in charge of all of the programming and developing some of the new business and contracts that we had with school districts. I loved and I was passionate about working with teachers and educators. I come from a family of educators. And ultimately, I also knew that, you know, as you climb the corporate ladder, um, at least for, for women, you don't see a lot of us <laughs> at the table. <laughs> and I thought, I, I was so fortunate, Kevin. Honestly, I was so fortunate. And my dad was such an incredible mentor. When I started to work in corporate, he's like, honey, you know, and he would give me his tips and stories. And I love that. Um, but I, I, I found that, you know, a lot of women, for whatever reason, there weren't many of us uh, in these leadership roles. And I thought, what can I do to, to help others? So I started to volunteer at the local colleges and universities here in Connecticut, where I moved here, I guess, 10 years ago, I've been living here. And I worked as a mentor in leadership programs. Soon I was asked by the governor to be part of the governor's council to advise them on how to help women and girls here in the state of Connecticut. And I love that too. And I was doing my work and everything is great. And then I thought, you know, I want to improve. And over the course of the years, I had worked with a life coach and I thought, you know what, I'm going to get my coaching certification because I want to help myself. I want to get better. I know that there's things that are um, not great about me and I want to improve those. So I got my coaching certification and then I thought, hey, maybe in five years, 
I'll start to look at, and I had been working with a client here and there. People knew that I had gotten coaching certification and said, hey, I want to start a business. Can you help me? I don't know anything about business. And I know that you worked in the business world. And I would talk to them and I would give them advice or help them or support them, mentor them, coach them. And I thought, this is cool. I like it. And um, yeah, that was the plan. And then March 2020 came about and I got a call from the CEO of the company that I worked for. And he said, I have tough news. And I knew immediately what he was going to say, because obviously I was part of the C-suite and I knew where we were um, as a company. And it was a tough, a tough place for many of us, for many companies, for many organizations. We were living in a world that was so uncertain. We've never seen anything like this. And we had already started this lockdown and schools were not in session. We couldn't work with schools. We couldn't deliver services. Um, and he, they offered me a separation package and I took it. And immediately when, you know, he said that I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew that I was going to go out on my own. I was not going to contact a recruiter or headhunter. I was just going to launch my own business. And I knew exactly what I was going to call it. It was going to be Go Confidently Coaching because the quote by Henry David Thoreau, Go Confidently in the Direction of Your Dreams, has been uh, my mantra in life. It's a quote my dad first shared many, many years ago. And every time I wanted to do something and accomplish anything, I really went back to that quote to walk me through. And I, I knew that my dad... Um, had helped me so that I, I in turn can help others go confidently, find their dreams. And my dream is not like yours. It's not like somebody else's, but sometimes we need to really be able to have the right support. We need to be able to have um, the person that's going to cheer us on or, or the person that you can bounce things off from or learn some of the tangible things and help you create the habits that you are going to need in order to do that. So that's how I got started. And um, here we are, two, two, two and a half years in. <laughs> oh, I got to ask you, the first thing is, what was it like getting a call from the governor wanting you to join a, uh, a, a conference or a, a, a committee or to to champion women's rights. So I, I didn't get a call from the governor, but if he wants to call me, um, <laughs> you know, my number is online. You can find it. I'm happy to do that. No, the call came in from I, I, the leadership program that I had been working with at, um, the, at the college, it, it started to grow. I had met the commissioner of education and I had also many years ago, I had been on the, um, advisory board for the Department of Education here in Connecticut and several other states to on the implementation of governmental um, educational programs, right? So I guess my name was out there to, to some extent, but um, someone, um, as they were forming, Governor Lamont was starting to form this new um, committee in in or task force. They wanted to bring people from different walks of life. And there is a, a a big focus also on science uh, STEM, and my my company did a lot of work in school districts, providing training and services on the science uh, science technology math area. So I I know from that perspective, what does it take to implement some of these programs as well. Um, and it was one of the advisor, one of the staffers for the Lieutenant governor that, um, just reached out and said, Hey, you know, we know some of the work that you do, you volunteer in all these different places. Would you be open to being part of the committee? And I said, yeah, let's do it. I love it. Um, cause I always have an opinion and I am not shy to share it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, and the thing is when you're in corporate America, business operates much differently than you are if you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, making that just making that transition from being a corporate person and having the big round table and all that stuff to sitting at your kitchen table by yourself, just developing and starting your own company. What was that transition like for you? Well, uh, funny you should say that because we, we did. Um, I'm a very social person, number one. 
And although my, the company that I worked for was in New York and I, I would commute into the city either for the day or overnight, or I would travel around the country, um, being home, the transition, I had already been working from home to an extent, but my dad gave me a piece of advice that was very helpful also through the pandemic and starting my own business. When I started working from home, he said, honey, I don't care what you're doing but always dress as if you're going to the office. And throughout the pandemic, my husband would laugh because he he was home and he was helping me get the business up and started. And I would come down and look like if I was going to the office every day. And I still, to some extent, uh, I put makeup on every day. I, I don't, I'm not the person that looks, you know, that has business on top, pajamas on the bottom. That's not me. I'm going to dress every day for work. And that really creates a mindset, number one. Number two, um, I've been an entrepreneur forever. Even though I've been in corporate, I my first side hustle or my little business was at 14 when I decided to go into my mom's office. And I used to go to all the different offices and say, hey, do you need someone to run your errands? I can go to the store and I can pick up your dry cleaners. And I had a little hustle thing going on. So not being someone that works for herself, uh, an entrepreneur is not new to me. But what I really did is I failed um, in the very beginning as an entrepreneur. And I'll tell you why, because I was trying to run the business kind of like, oh, it's a side hustle it's, or this is a new business. I'm a new business owner. Let me go find a logo. Oh no, I need a pretty website. What should I put on my website? Oh, you know what? I don't like those colors. And that's what I was focusing on. And then finally, six months down the road, I sat down and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like, I, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. And and I, I had a, a conversation with myself and I said, Julie, what would you say to someone that's in a similar position? Run your business like a business, girl. <laughs> you need to like, first of all, you need to hire somebody because you can't do it all right? And I said to my husband, I'm hiring an assistant. And he's like, what? We, we can't afford an assistant. You don't need an assistant. I'm like, oh, I need an assistant because I am the CEO of this company and there's certain tasks that a CEO does. And not that they're beneath me, honestly, because I can do it all. But there's certain things in order to grow my business. I am the only person that can talk to a potential client. I don't need to be, you know, deciding how, what I'm going to post on social media and how make the pretty graphics or anything like that. I also need to create some very clear benchmarks for the company. There's no company that doesn't have any growth without having benchmarks. So I needed to figure out what the benchmarks were going to be. If I want to get 10 clients, how many people do I need to talk to? What is going to be my strategy for marketing? What is re reviewing the financials for the company as well? Allocating, you know, in, in all of the different things. What is your, how much do you spend? How much do you keep? What's your profit? How much do you pay yourself? So all of that are things that I started to implement early on because I wanted to make sure that I was not going to make the mistakes and really be clear that I was shooting for something and not just haphazardly. Just like if you're driving somewhere that you've never been, you're going to have to have directions. You're going to have to have a map or some sort of GPS and consult that and recalibrate and also say, oh, how many more miles do I have before you actually, and if you need to stop at a rest stop, you do it. You're like, oh, the rest stop. Well, I need to get gas in the next station. So know these very crucial steps along the way. And the other thing is I had to stop comparing to somebody else who was more successful or at least, you know, from what you saw online was more successful. And I had to say, you know what? I don't know how long they've been doing this, but I can't compare my beginning to somebody else's middle or end. So I need to really just focus on what I do. And you need to know also that um, in a world where there's a lot of competition, what is it that creates your unique brand? And knowing that my unique brand is driven by my values and how I'm communicating those to people was going to be very key. That also helped me. That is, you know, that for some of us, that takes a great deal of time because when I when I first started this podcast um, and the radio show and all the things that I do, I was 
a one-man band. I could do it all. I could mm-hmm. do the editing. I could do the voiceovers. I could do everything that I needed to do. And what I found out over time is you can't do everything. No. Um, because you there are certain things that you do well that are you are responsible mm-hmm. for as far as the the head of the company, as far as l- doing what you're doing. And you can't do a lot of waste a lot of time doing a lot of editing or a lot of social media and because that takes a lot a lot a lot of time and you have to be the driving force behind it so i love i love the way that you talk about that and then then you're able to then translate that to somebody that says i want to start a business and i've got the the best cookie in the world Mm -hmm. but i have no earthly idea how to take this cookie and put it on store shelves yeah Absolutely. And you know, the the beauty of what I do is that I can do it for uh, my clients in so many different ways. The principles are the same. I have a client that wanted to start a brick and mortar uh, gym. I have a client that sells an actual uh, product. It's it's um, like a popsicle and she's going to go, she's ready for distribution and it's going to be in grocery stores nationwide. I have a client that, um, you know, does coaches and uh, coaches women and takes them on these wonderful retreats where they can reconnect and learn how to give to themselves first. I have a woman who is a leadership coach slash uh, attorney and is coaching other women in the corporate world who are in these high powered positions. So all of them are so different, but the principles are the same. The principle of knowing who you are, what your brand, what do you stand for? What do you offer? And who is the person that this is the service for or the product or the thing for? That's very important. And many times we believe that, oh, you know, I, I just want to do it all. And that happened to me. I, I had to learn the hard way. I I was afraid. And, and yes, I'm multi-passionate and multi-dimensional. And I was afraid like, oh, you know, I need business. I need to just, I need a client. Like, who cares? Like, I, I can do that. You want me to coach you on how to put together a resume? I'll do it. You want me to coach you on weight loss? I'll do it. You're a guy. You want to, you know, start an app. I remember one of my first clients, I coached him on how to start an app. He was launching an app and it was great. And he's great. And I loved working with him. And not to say that I don't work with male clients, but you will notice when you go to my website, when you hear my um, my my marketing, it's really talking to the woman who is in midlife and is looking to start and grow a business. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have other clients that don't necessarily fall into that, but you have to really define your message. Um, and when you stick to that and stop trying to be everything to everyone, you can find some success. And I think that this also applies to life. In life, and you know, this is top positive talk radio. We try to be everything and we can't. We are just us. We you you mentioned there are some gifts that we have, some that we don't. And when we try to do what's not in our zone of expertise, then we are saying no to the things that really bring us joy, that light us up, that help us live in our purpose and help us be the person that we're meant to be in this world. You know, I really like the the fact that you are working with um, women that have a little bit more seasoning in on them. And, and that <laughs> that's a nice way of saying it. I may have to borrow that for marketing. And that, uh, that, you know, they've, they've raised their kids. Their kids are in college or they're gone or, and they're looking at their life going, okay, I've done the, the, uh, the house, I've done the picket fence, I've done the mm-hmm. 2.3 kids and the dog and the husband. Now, what am I going to do with myself? And right. I'm far too young to retire. Mm-hmm. And they, they, to give them the passion and to help them understand what is, what is cap- what is possible for them. Because a lot of Correct me if I'm wrong, but do a lot of women not even know what's possible for them? Yes and no. He, here's the thing. And, and I, I'm hoping to change this. Um, I, I am the anomaly in the sense that I, I grew up in a household of strong women. I, my grandmother, um, and, and I talk about her in my book, and I talk about my, my great aunt as well in the book, um, because they, in, in a, you know, at the turn of the 20th century, my grandmother 
you didn't see, you know, if you come from an affluent family in Latin America, you were raised to go get married and mm -hmm. you, you had some beautiful skills. You knew how to keep a home or, 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 or entertain, but your job was to, you know, get married, have kids and, you know, do the thing. But my grandmother was an obstinate person that she wanted to teach. She wanted to grow, uh, help others. And um, it wasn't very in vogue to to get that education. And she kept being educated. Her father, um, when she finally said to him, I want to go and teach, he said, no, no one in our circles has a job. You stay home. And she said, no, I want to go teach. And he said, okay, fine, I'll build you a school. So not only did she become a teacher, but she then had, and eventually she ran the school at first, but when he passed, my grandmother became the business owner, right? And I grew up seeing this strong woman who, you know, would speak, would volunteer, would give to others, um, ran a business and was a teacher. And for me, and then you you throw in my dad and how he mentored and coached me and supported me and encouraged me. So I I grew up thinking it's possible. I can I can do this. Maybe I haven't seen it a lot, but I why not? Why not me? Whereas many women, right? If you think about many women grew up and they we didn't have that. We didn't see a lot of the women heading companies or trailblazing or you know, creating products. We didn't see that. You know, you think of Mary Kay, you think of Estee Lauder, you know, Estee Lauder, she might've been a big, you know, get big company for cosmetics, but she didn't run her company. There was some guy, the CEO of the company. Exactly. I'm, Mary Kay, the same thing, I believe. Well, Mary Kay had her son and, and she really, you know, Mary Kay ran the company, but her son was by her side and she really empowered a lot of women and has done some incredible things. Yep. But ultimately, there's not a lot of these examples in which we see women. And I think that um, when I think of my girlfriends right now, pe people around my age, when their kids are leaving home, they're going to college, they maybe have been teaching 25, 30 years. What's next for me? Most of the world has been saying, hey, you are done with your kids. There's not much. Retire, be done. But we want to redefine. Think about it. We're living to be 70, 80, fewer 52. That's another good 20, 30 years that you could be around. Why don't you make it count? Why don't you decide, you know what? Um go and do it. I know my mom, sadly, when she turned 50, she was laid off and, you know, she, she's like, well, who's going to hire me? I'm too old, but we're never too old to start again. We're never too old to be willing to do something new only if we try. It's amazing that, that you, you came from a family that was, that the women were very strong and able to do it. By the way, I want to make sure that we get this out. You have a book out. It's called Confident You. Simple Habits to Live Your, the Life You Have Imagined. Mm -hmm. And you can pick that up at Amazon or anywhere else. Yep. You've also been on, goodness gracious, you've been on NBC and CBS and um, um, iHeartRadio and been on a bunch of podcasts. So I'm honored, number one, to have you on the podcast. I really <laughs> Thank appreciate you. it. And, uh, and it really is important. And by the way, you can follow along with us by going to our website, which is goconfidentlycoaching.com. And you can find out all about her and the work that she does. And she also works with other women, other powerful women. Um, and one of them is the project uh, that we were talking about that I can't pronounce. The Passionistas Project, my friends, <laughs> Amy and Nancy Harrington. Yes, indeed. And they've, they've been on the show and uh, we got along great and uh, they're, they're awesome. I love the work that they're doing. Mm. And just like you, being a powerful woman doesn't mean that you don't uh, donate your time and you work to, to empower other people. And their mission, as, as I understand it, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but their mission is to work with women of color, women who are uh, disabled and as a matter of fact next wednesday i get to interview um miss um, luna yay i'm so excited for that i am too she is she's, she's incredible 
she's an awesome actress and the voiceover artist and and she also has got physical challenges and and stuff to go through so so tell us a little bit about the pastanisha pastani <laughs> i tried it i'll try so it you again. gotta say passion nistas <laughs> passion nistas project yeah so the passion nistas project you know it is uh, it, it's an incredible summit this is my third year participating and it's a three-day virtual event and it focuses on diversity inclusion equity and on issues that are important to women and and kevin i have to say you're an ally and you know that right now women are you know being faced with i, I don't know I, I, can i be a little controversial there's uh, some may. there may be some circles in which people think well you know what? Women need to just be in the home, raise the kids. It's nice that you're going to, you know, um, be out here, but, but maybe they're intimidated in some level. And I want to create spaces and I want to be in spaces like the passionistas have created where we are saying, Hey, everybody belongs. It's not just a few. It's not just, um, a, a group of individuals, but everybody has a voice. Everybody has a voice that matters. You know, diversity is what makes us stronger. But a lot of times people allow themselves to be divided because of the differences. And ultimately, you know, I am a person that is a multiple ethnic backgrounds. And my strength comes from all of that. Not because, because I can see the world in different views and I understand that there's no right way. There's your way and your way is, is it's beautiful. And there's so many of us that um, have something to share, have a message, and we are stronger together and we need to stop focusing on the differences that divide us. We need to start focusing on the ways in which we can create a world in which my niece or my my nephew's children can see that there is um, empowerment, there's communities that are doing such wonderful work, there's educational programming that the um, in this three-day event, there's going to be all kinds of um, wonderful speakers, filmmakers, um, transformational uh individuals you know I, I i mean you go down the list and it's incredible to see who is everybody who is going to be speaking so it is nothing but short of an honor to be included in that list of people well you know one of the things that i've learned in working with uh, nancy and amy is that um disabled people in this country are treated mm -hmm. horribly um yeah that there are there are states in this in there are states in the united states and this may be a little controversial but you can go look it up uh that but they get paid as little as 22 cents an hour for, mm. for work in a corporation which is just i mean i defy you to live on 20 dollars an hour let alone 22 cents an hour yeah. um you know Indeed. and we need we need to rethink a lot of things in this country and, and I, and here I'll be controversial as well. And like to speak to the men that are out there that if you have somebody that you love and that you support, you want them to be calm and to do everything in their life that they would like to be and do and have and become. And so yeah. consequently you don't hold your spouse down and say, well, you know, you've always been a housewife and you, this is what you should do. Support them. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think personally, I think that we are, because we, 50% of our population, which happen to be women, are not given the opportunity like men are to mm. achieve greatness. And if we are going to ever achieve what we would like in this country, which is total equality and goodness for everyone and everybody works yeah. together, we have got to be a lot more open and and talking about men here, about uh, open and honest about giving your, your wife, your mother, your daughters, every opportunity to be exactly what they can be because mm -hmm. society will benefit from it. Yeah. And Kevin, you know, it, it's... It's incredible that still to this day, 
um, women are earning um, 82 cents on the dollar for every every dollar that a man earns in the world in the corporate in corporate world uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship um, there is a larger amount of women that are actually starting businesses but the reality is that 88 percent of them are not making a hundred thousand dollars or making less than that it is um it, it's incredible to me and this is why i'm so passionate and now when you talk about uh the people who have disabilities i have a friend um she has been on my podcast it's, it's someone that i met and i so admire her um she posted a a video that was incredibly sad over the weekend she's in a wheelchair she has been in a wheelchair um and she went to get her nails done and they refused her service because the sink that they have where you go and wash your hands is not something that she can reach with her wheelchair in this nail salon. And typically what they do is the woman that does her nails usually just um, sanitizes her hands. And that means coming around the, the partition, right? The plexiglass partition to where the wheelchair is and helping her sanitize her hands. But the women that were there did not want to come through the partition and said, sorry, with your hand, without you washing your hands, we can't help you. And she felt humiliated on a Saturday afternoon being in this establishment. And they said, we can't help you. And, and just to be called out because of her disability. And I can tell you that I don't want to live in a world like that. My grandmother, she had cancer at the age of 75 and had her leg amputated. So I grew up with someone in a wheelchair and she was not going to allow herself to be stopped by being in a wheelchair, but we need to create a world where it doesn't matter who you are, but you feel included and you feel um, as uh, every opportunity is available to you. You know, what's sad is the ADA, the American Disabilities Act, addresses many of the things that you're talking about as far as uh, wheelchair accessibility mm-hmm. in, in a business like that. And they obviously were, were non-compliant with mm. that. And that happens all over the, all over the country, all the time. Oh, 100%. There are places that are not, they don't have um, uh, bathrooms that are, that are ADA compliant, or they don't have mm-hmm. ramps that are wide enough. And they, so you know, we've got a lot of work to do, and yeah. I'm so glad that you and Nancy and Amy are are knee deep in it because that's how change happens. Change and- happens with one person making the decision to say, you know what, this may be uncomfortable, but I'm going to speak up or I'm going to do it or I'm going to create an opportunity or I'm going to have the conversation. And I want to say that we need to have more opportunities to talk about it. Because people avoid conversations that are difficult. People avoid conversations that they, they, because they, oh, I don't want to fight. I don't want to be controversial. But it's not about fighting and being controversial. It's about coming to the table together and saying, hey, what do you believe? What are your thoughts on this and why? Here, let me share with you why I think this and why I believe this. And creating the dialogue in which we respectfully understand each other's perspectives and then together create a solution. See, this is called Positive Talk Radio. And there are some times when people would say, well, you know, it's Positive Talk Radio, so it's a Pollyanna thing that you're all puppy dogs and and uh, and uh, roses and all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, is that in order for us to have a society where we can live in a positive thing, we have to talk about those things. We have to talk mm-hmm. about the fact that 13 million kids go to bed hungry every day and yeah. that there are four and a half million people in the foster care system and that 45,000 people die of drug overdoses every year. You can't not deal with those things and be positive at the same time. We, yeah. we need to come up with solutions. I, at least that's my opinion. What do you think? You know, you bring up foster care, and I think that this is something that, again, um, I have a friend who grew up in foster care. I have a friend who, I, 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 she was my colleague at work, and talk about resiliency. But the opportunities that she's had in life um, are very different because ultimately, when you're in foster care, you know, they you're sort of like 
forgotten in some ways, right? There, there are nearly 400,000 children in foster care right now. And there's over 600,000 kids that have been in one part or another in foster care. And we don't talk about how these kids don't get the social, emotional support because it's not just about, you know, getting schools, getting clothes. And, and listen, that's very important. That's part of that hierarchy of needs that we have. But ultimately, you also have to have that, that acknowledgement that, hey, you, you are safe. And, and that can create in you as a person the ability to then show up at school and get the grades. Um, you know, these kids, if they get to college, some of them don't even finish college because they have to work. They age out of the system and they don't have someone sending them care packages. Nope. Uh, my friend's son just went to college and I will tell you, this kid went with everything he needed brand new sheets, a brand new refrigerator, all kinds of cleaning products, uh, brand new clothes. Some of these foster care kids are not going to college like that. And they are showing up and they might be a little behind already in school. And they're starting some remedial college classes, right? If they get to a campus and then they have to also work because they didn't have parents or, or, you know, family and friends that are giving them these things that they just show up in college with. Right. You know, it was interesting. I was having a conversation over lunch last Sunday with uh, a young lady. And well, she's not, she's, she's 40, 38 now. Mm-hmm. And, and she grew up in the foster care system. So I asked about a particular time, like when was the last time you had a dog? And she was thinking, she was thinking, and she said, I'm sorry, I'm taking so long, but I'm trying to remember Mm-hmm. I'm going back in time as to which house I was in and whose house I was in over that period of time because she had been in like like 10 different home settings, mm-hmm. some good, some less good, yeah. um, that she had to deal with over her over her foster care life. And I was just thinking that's you know, that's even worse than a, a military brat that right. had that has to go to different schools every every other year that you're uprooted and she was saying that there were times that in the middle of the night people would come and they would take her out to go somewhere else that she'd never been and a school that she'd never gone to and her friends never heard from her again that's criminal mm. you know I, I i can tell you an example when i for the educational company that i worked for in new york city we um had a program that we ran in brooklyn and we ran this program um, for a non-for-profit that was being paid by the city. And this non-for-profit would bring in foster care students to get tutored after school. And, you know, we're trying to give them a leg up with their educational uh, skills. And I'll never forget, we walked in uh, to the program and it was it's New York. It's the middle of winter. And there was a kid that's sitting there with his little beaten and battered coat. And he's sitting there trying to, you know, learn. And it's already hard for him because he's behind. He's missed school, uh, all the different things. Right. And he's shivering. And we said, oh, are you OK? Do you want to put your coat away? And he's like, no, I just can't get warm. And we kept thinking, like, you know, trying to make him comfortable and come to find out. And we're like, well, you know, we're, we're inside now. He's like, yeah, ma'am. But, um, you know, when I, I get out of school and I go to my foster care home, I'm not allowed to go into the house until the mom comes home. So her kids are allowed to go inside, but I have to wait outside. So here's this kid. And then we think about, like, what, why is there, you know, why, why are these kids ending up um, going from foster care to dropping out of school to getting into trouble? Because they're not in ideal situations, right? And many of these kids are coming from homes already that are broken, that have deficiencies and difficulties, but this is how they're dealing with everyday life. And it's, it's, it's terrible. I, I, the statistics that I was told were that 25 percent of foster care kids graduate from high school. Yeah, twenty five percent, and that 
a large percentage of people in the uh, penal system, mm-hmm. in, in the jail system, are came from foster care because mm-hmm. I can't imagine how difficult it would be to grow up, not have any hope, not have any connection, deep connections with a family and stuff. And you're going from house to house and some of the foster care people are good. Some of them are not so good. Some of them are downright criminal, uh, depending, you know, so, and, and they can't, and the system can't keep up with all these kids and it's terrible. And now with, with what's happening with, um, the, uh, Roe versus Wade thing, there's only going to be more kids that are going to be in foster care. Yeah. And, and, and I will say to you, you know, again, um, there is over 20,000 is the stat are the kids that end up aging out of foster care that never found a permanent home to land in. Right. Yep. There, there are, these kids are the ones who are most likely to end up homeless, unemployed, incarcerated. And, and that is a staggering number, a staggering number. And when you say, well, you know, that's not my problem. When we, you know, let's talk about Roe versus Wade. Let's talk about that. You're right. There's going to be a lot more kids going into foster care. There's going to be a lot more more kids who don't have the resources. The system is taxed as it is right now. And and I am all for, you know, I, I, I am pro-choice. And I'm going to say this, and I know that many people are going to be dying that I'm saying this, but it's true. But the reason that I'm pro-choice is because I'm also pro-education. Let's educate these kids in the school because honestly, abstinence, if you're teaching abstinence, you're going to have a problem. Kids, uh, our kids' brains are not developed till they're in their 20s. And you're telling a 14, 50-year-old, 15-year-old that is ruled by their hormones, abstinence? Well, you know, have you heard of the gospel according to Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> so I've heard of it, but I want you to tell me more because I don't want to, I, maybe I haven't heard what you've heard. <laughs> Kids are going to continue to have sex because it feels good or yeah. it's because they are insecure or there is another underlying reason. But mm. just saying, telling a kid, telling a 15 year old boy, just say no, isn't going to yeah. happen. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm also pro-choice, but I am, my belief, my belief is that, uh, abortion should be legal, safe, and rare. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I will tell you that, um, for many women, um, you, you, this is not a choice that you go into lightly. This is not a choice that, um, but there's no a hundred percent, you know, contraception in, and there's things that, you know, okay, I, I, we, we can talk about this all day. Right. But ultimately I think that it's very important that healthcare be available to everyone, to women, to, to what, because we're a nation that prides itself of being so much, but yet you know, when it comes to preventative health care for people, people don't get to be diagnosed or get the proper advice when it comes to their health because they can't afford it. If they can't pay for the insurance and then they can't take the day off for work because maybe they don't even make the $20 an hour. And if you don't work, like I know many people, right? If I don't work, I don't get paid. I don't get paid. I don't pay the bills. And it's a whole vicious circle that we can be stuck into. Well, and I'll tell you the uh, the biggest thing that the federal minimum wage is seven dollars and twenty five cents. That that doesn't that doesn't cut it. I don't care where you live. You can't live on on forty hours a week at seven dollars and twenty five cents. Doesn't work. no, not at all. Yeah, you, you can't. And the and the other thing that I wanted to mention to you is that uh, I'm not sure. You know, I took it was a long time since I took biology, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that um, that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but women don't get pregnant by themselves, do they? No, no, we 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 don't. No, it takes two to tango. And so if if so if we are going to have this this society where we're going to say if you get pregnant, you're going to have to deal with the consequences. I think that it should be a multi-gender thing. If mm. you get somebody pregnant, you should have to deal with the consequences of that child. 
But you know, then that's a problem, right? Like, um, no offense to to the men that listen to the show, but you you can decide that you can impregnate a hundred women in one day. There right? are people. <laughs> there are people who take a great deal of pride in that, and they take a great deal of pride. But you know, you you are bringing if 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 we're bringing in these humans into the world, where's the responsibility? Where is the, and, and it's, forget the clothing, the food for this child, but the, I go back to the emotional well-being of the human person, the human person that, and then it just gets passed on from generation to generation. Um, you know, there's a study that talks about, um, and and I am just starting to learn about this. So Kevin, you cannot, you know, I'm not claiming to be an expert, but I, I've had a guest on my show. I've been reading a couple different books about this, but there's a study that talks about how when you undergo trauma, if you've gone through trauma yourself and trauma could be your parents getting divorced, you don't have to have some horrific thing happen to you. You could, trauma could be that you are not, um, being fed on time, or maybe you, you know, you, you had, um, an illness as a child. There are so many different things that can constitute that, that send your nervous system into this flight or fight response and it taxes your body. But what happens is any type of trauma that you've undergone kind of gets encoded into your DNA. So I will take my paternal grandmother, for instance, my paternal grandmother um, had, you know, had an unwanted pregnancy. And this is before Roe v. Wade was passed. And my grandfather said, nope, I don't want that child. Take care of it. Right. And, you know, I'm not even going to go into talking about what happened or didn't happen. But the reality is that that is a traumatic experience for a person. That DNA, she passed on to my dad, passed on to um, me. It gets encoded. It's been found that our trauma responses are not from our own experiences, but are being passed on from all other families. This is the constellation Um of, of trauma that's encoded into our DNA. So now our, our, our flight or fight responses, we are reacting to things, not just because of what we've been through, but because of the experience of, of other people as well. And I find this incredibly fascinating. So think about a child that is going to be born to maybe a teen mom or a 20 something that's in college the or a rape victim, some of the things that they are going to go through right? Um, as a child and, and some of the, um, already emotional toll that they are being born into, not to mention not having their needs met physically, uh, food wise, et cetera. Exactly. And by the way, we're going to run out of time because I know you have a hard break that we have to take in. We've got just a couple of minutes left, but will you come back so that we can talk about some of the solutions to these issues? Yes. Let's talk solutions because you know what? I don't want to be the negative Nelly. That's like, Oh, look at all these terrible things going on. There's so many solutions that can happen. There's so many organizations doing incredible work and it doesn't take us breaking the bank. It does. You can roll up your sleeves. You can show up. You can spend time with foster care kids. You can be that good influence. You can go find reading programs. Hey, um, reading, read for the record is coming up in September. That's a great opportunity to go into a school and come and be the adult that's going to read to some students. It, you know, yes, I can talk solutions. I want to talk about what is it that we can do? Cause there's so many different things, no matter who you are, where you are, you can make an impact, just a small ripple effect by something that you choose to do daily or, you know, in your communities. Let's talk about the Passion Nista program. You got it. <laughs> the Passion Nistas Project Summit. And when, when and, is it exactly? So that people can tune in. Yeah. So it's going to be on September 21st at 5 p.m. through September 23rd at 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific Daylight Time, and you can get tickets online at hopin, H-O-P-I-N.com forward slash events forward slash 2022 
Power of Passionista Summit. And, or you can go to, uh, I am sure you'll have this in the show notes or you can connect with me. I will send you tickets or, or you know, share all the incredible um, resources that are going to be there. Really, Nancy and Amy curate one of the best events uh, they will have some um, awards. Also, the Passionista Persist Award is going to be going to Laramie Newman. We also have Rebecca Coakley, who is getting the Passionista Persist Humanitarian Award. Saronia Chamley is also going to be getting um, the Passionista Trailblazer Award. We have Danai Escaravenino, who is getting the Passionista Vanguard Award. And then Kim Ro uh, Roxy is getting the Passionista Persist Award. And these are incredible women who are in their own right, creating solutions, building equity, uh, creating just a world that we can all live and live our passions and be a, a better world by coming together. And by the way, one of the past winners is Jane Goodall. Yes, uh, she is. Oh my gosh. It was incredible. Her, her, um, her speech last year was phenomenal. I loved, loved, loved every, you know, learning more about her. And we've heard about her from so many different venues, but getting her to, to be there was great. And, you know, it kicks off at 5 p.m. with the Luna Fest, which is a night of films uh, by women, followed by a roundtable of filmmakers. So this is uh, promising to be an incredible event for sure. So where can they pick up tickets again one more time? Yeah, so tickets will be at hopin, H-O-P-I-N dot com forward slash events, forward slash uh, 2022 Power of Passionistas, or you can go to the Passionistas Project, which is probably much easier, thepassionistasproject.com. And then you click on the tab for 2022 Summit. And find out more about Julie by going to goconfidentlycoaching.com. Thank you so much for being here. Will you come back? Oh. Uh, anytime. I'm happy to come back. Thank you so much for putting your your yourself into the world, your, you know, energy to help others become a better version of themselves by finding that positivity that we all have. And positive talk radio is the way to go. People surround yourself with the type of energy and community that makes you better. We can all do it, but we can yeah. only do it together. That's if right. We, we recognize that we are all one. We can do it all together. And that's the way it was designed to be. And uh, that's the way it should be. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor and pleasure to be here. Um, and let's talk. This is a fun, a fun venue to be uh, and have great conversations. We'll do this next time. Sadly, you got to go when we're over time. So thank you so much for being here, Julie. And, You're welcome. Uh, have, a, have a great day. If you wait right there, I'll be right back. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.